Heads up, there's cussing in this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pubhound Podcast. This is Drew. I'm here at the offices of Pubhound Press in Joplin, Missouri with Rich Porter. Hey! Uh, our guest tonight is F.C. Schultz. Hello. Author, writer, doer of many interesting <laughs> things, that, which we'll hear about later on. And Michael Engelbert Griffin, architect, is our guest bartender for the night. Hello. There he is. Present. <laughs> Here. Uh, Griffin. Griffin. Doesn't have quite the same reason. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You know. But I mean, there Sad were there were crickets <laughs> when you said it, so it's apropos. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, we're here to do a podcast again, and uh, it hasn't been. Six you didn't months. tell me that's what was going on. It hasn't been six months since the last time. I didn't tell you. No, I thought we were just going to get drunk. I mean, we will. But... <laughs> uh, tell me what you've been doing lately, Richard. Oh, um, you know, same old, same old. Reading, writing, editing, sending out submissions, collecting retraction letters. Now, Fun now stuff. sending out submissions is not the same old. Yeah, that's not same old. Well, I'm, I'm trying to do it more because you need to. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to go against migraine, which is to maybe sent out one or two a year. And I'm, I'm trying to keep things out there constantly, which is what you're actually supposed to do. I so just, to all you, you aspiring know. poets out there. Yeah, you, you should, well, I guess it depends on where you're at. Like if you're aspiring, maybe not yet, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not go through the heartbreak yet, <laughs> work up to it. Because nobody's waiting on your work, which is fine. That's fine. But, um, but you know, once you start to feel comfortable with your work and you want to start submitting, you really need to just send it out constantly. Um, in large part, just because everybody else is sending it out constantly. And it is sort of a flooded market That's, where you uh, get submissions rejected sometimes basically just because it was at the end of their cycle. And yeah. by the time they got to it, they may have already had things lined up. Or they may not have even been able to read it that closely. Like as somebody who's read submissions for journals before, like the last things you read will often just bounce off of your head because you're a little bit numb. And, you know, you try not to let that happen because you want to give everybody a fair shake. But we're only human and we get a ton of submissions. So there's a couple of really wise things you said there, I think. One is no one's waiting for your work. Yeah. Which, and, and two, it's a flooded market, which most markets are. Yeah. And uh, whatever you're doing, I mean, architecture. There's plenty of architects out there, right? Like nobody's nobody's just waiting for you to knock on their door. Uh, or maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> do you know that stores? <laughs> I like to think that's how <laughs> you do it. Depend on what kind of door. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we we talked about this the other night where you're, and I have a. It could be a coffee table book you could publish of rejection letters from banks on projects I tried to do, but it, it was trying to do my own thing. <clears throat> but then it was in in my field, not knowing enough to steer clear of the wrong building. But I jump headfirst into things. But then you make mistakes and and you learn from that. So then you maybe get a reputation for something that you didn't really want to. Well, but in my case, then it, it became the reputation for being able to do difficult projects that nobody else would and, do, and okay, yeah, because I had no budget, and and so I could actually do something with out of nothing almost. Which sounds, uh, frankly, kind of classic for a, a young, ambitious professional services type person to do something that to take on a job that more experienced people yeah. are going to say no to, right? <laughs> Yeah. That's Had it. I known then what I know now, right. I could have run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. So um, you've done some submitting. Have you, mm -hmm. have you read anything cool lately? Um, yeah, I just started rereading. Uh, I'm pretty sure I mispronounced his name on the last podcast, too, and I'm going to do it again just because I don't really know how to pronounce it. But uh, Georges Perec, uh, the French. And because of that podcast, I... 
when I finished some things, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in back into. Uh, he has a book called Life: A User's, User's Manual. Manual. Yeah, so I'm rereading that right now. Just started started back in on that, which it's it's so wonderful. Um, you know, it can be a slog because he um, goes into great detail on all of these very small objects that we generally ignore. Um, and there's a lot of references in it, but if you go into it allowing yourself to miss on those things, but trying to get as much of it out as you can, it's really a wonderful read, and it definitely pays off at the end. Like, it's, it's great. Puzzle maker. Yeah, Winkler. Yeah, he's the man. He's <laughs> my hero, Winkler from uh, Perex, Life of User's Manual. Okay. More than Bartleby? <laughs> Well, I am a nihilist, <laughs> but maybe I aspire to Winkler. Yeah, okay. Probably more Bartleby, and that I'm just not going to do anything at all. But I aspire to Winkler. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, speaking of slogs, I, I started the started the audio book at least of the Ulysses. Oh, yeah. So that's my new that's my new uh, commute companion. What a commute. <laughs> yeah, I know. That says. <laughs> you get to work, and you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God I'm here to do some accounting. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. I, mean, I found myself, the, for the first few chapters at least, I get out of the car and it's like, did I stop it? Did I, did I turn it off? Or is it still like... Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like walking away from a conversation... From somebody who just wants to shut up, right? You just like you know you don't even like bother to say goodbye. You just give them the Irish goodbye and just poop. I'm out of here. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure how it'll go, but I've never tried it before, and it seems like one of those things that you have to try at least a half dozen times, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I I mean I I am because I'm a pretentious butt face. I enjoyed reading Ulysses back when I was in college, but. I, I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, there's, there's nothing you necessarily have to do when it comes to reading and when it comes to literature. Um, so, it, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes leaving a book in the dust if it's not working for you, that is absolutely fine. Sometimes you're just not ready for it or it's not ready for you and you'll come back to it and it'll I've definitely work out. had that experience yeah. before. Um, <clears throat> I really like Dubliners. Yeah. Um, and but that's you know that's like small bites. You know this Ulysses is more like the whale. So I don't know. But but yeah, I mean I, <clears throat> the Brothers Karamazov was one where I started it and I read a chunk and put it down for a couple <clears throat> months, picked it back up, did the same. You know, and, and it, that's, took, it took like a year and a half fine. to read. But uh, well, that's how I finally I still made enjoyed it. it. It's then, sometimes you just got to do that. Yeah. The yes. whole story around it wasn't it Ulysses that, like in in New York, the it was really the beginning of the morality squads and what we know is like, kind of this police state. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't say. Well, it, I, it was one of the first books that like really hit you know with censorship hard and where they started the trials um, for censorship, where we we get that famous quote. I don't know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Or that's mm. a paraphrase, it's not the quote. Yeah. But yeah. With the yeah. judge who ultimately said, This is art, this is a pornography. Um, which, I mean, yeah, that, Ulysses was a part of that. Um, I'm pretty sure Ginsburg was a part of that, wasn't he, with Hal? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would. It's drug on forever. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I imagine all those beat guys were lumped into that group. Yeah. I could have done without some of them. Yeah. Well, we we could all we could all do without a few Kerouac fanboys, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like the worst guy to meet at a party. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Sorry if you're a Kerouac fanboy. Not that sorry. <laughs> uh <clears throat> On the Road was an important work, though. I mean, 
and and that movement was was really important too. Uh, as Thomas Pynchon points out, which you think of Thomas Pynchon, you think of him as somebody very far removed from the Beats, but you know he he says I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for On the Road. I couldn't have been who I was, you know, and it's it's true because like the sort of stuff like it, it allowed for a little bit more of more breadth within what was accepted as literature um, in America, and so it, it did. You know, however we feel about it, it did open up some avenues for writers within um, and allow us to write differently and write about different things than may have been more accepted beforehand. So, so well, it was important, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the whole, <laughs> need a buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I haven't even gotten that far into my drink yet, and I'm already like annoying. <laughs> No, you're not. You're fine. Half of our listeners. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Drew's going to be like editing this entire You're still thing. better like, than the Kerouac fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> like, the curmudgeon over here. The drunk curmudgeon, but the curmudgeon nonetheless. <clears throat> okay. What was the Peric book that, well, there was a void, and then what was the one <clears throat> where he didn't, where he only used the vowel E and he didn't <sighs> use any of the other vowels? I can't well, remember the, the title of that one. Yeah, and then the translation from French to English. The translations are use, published now. Doesn't together. use any a, E's either. No. Either. I, I mean, it's uh, it's got to use <laughs> words that have the E. He doesn't. No. He doesn't. No. How is that even possible? I mean, talk about constraints. That's yeah. hardcore. Well, Perec was like legitimately a genius. Um, he was also a brilliant mathematician. And a masochist. And masochist, yeah. Well, that was, you know, we talked about it when Ryan was on. Um, that was sort of the whole thing with uh, Ulipo was, you know, using these outside constraints as an impetus to to create. Like, I, I think I mentioned Italo Calvino's novellas that he wrote that were based off of tarot readings. Um, uh, George Breck, aside from, like, a Life of User's Manual is like a tour of the chessboard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all had these sort of things that were just like arbitrary forms and arbitrary structures, arbitrary restraints, but they used them as this impetus to create. Like it was a, um, you know, sort of like weightlifting, I guess, you know, you need that thing you got to push against to, to do something. And for them, that was, that was a large part of it. Yeah. But understanding that form was arbitrary, they went like all the way <laughs> over yeah. Or like A.R. Ammons, who was not a part of Ulipo, but the great American poet, you know, he would do things like write an entire poem, like within a certain size of um, adding tape, you know, off of an adding machine. Um, And he did that with like a couple different, where he used just different sizes of adding tape. And he literally wrote the drafts on these. um, And it was just too constrained for the length of his line because he was known for having these long flowing lines. And so, yeah. Hmm. Fun, fun. Yeah, all you masochists are weird. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's uh, that's that's enough uh, discussing our own, uh, I guess, successes and or failures. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's get on to talking about Mr. Schultz, Christian. Yeah. Also, AKA FC, um, and well, let's take a break first, and then we'll then we'll get on to the interview. So. Would you like to talk now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right. We'll, be, we'll get it. <laughs> you look apprehensive, Michael. Well, and, by, <laughs> and by plug, you mean I can ask for something? Yeah, you can. You can ask for something. Ask yeah. for something. What are you? What are you gonna ask for, Michael? <laughs> something. <laughs> Tell us, Mister. Oh, Griffin. Well, uh, to your listening audience, I would like to make a request for any and all information, especially any photographs specifically of the interior of the Schifferdecker house on uh, Sergeant, 422 Sergeant and 4th Street. We're trying to restore the building. There was a fire in 91. 
that really destroyed a lot of the historic fabric and <clears throat> we have some clues we have a lot of clues but we don't really know the majority of what the interior looked like and uh and you're trying to get it as close to original as possible yeah yeah so it's really the it's a restoration as opposed to a rehab so we're really trying to give people this 1890s experience and, and try to really our restoration date is 1890 91 92 when it was built to 1915 when the shipwreckers passed and so any information photographs they're in someone's attic or in a box somewhere we know uh but if yeah they could look we okay greatly appreciate that well, there's the requests, folks. <laughs> I, think, I think the only ones you guys have are the ones from when the Freemans had it, right? In which case, it's all, or at least the only ones I've seen, which were ones that showed up in the Globe, are from when the Freemans had it. And you can only, like, barely see the ceiling. Yeah, it was really just one photo of the dining room. And, and <clears throat> there's, so much, there's so much furniture in the room, you really can't. You can make out some of the intricacies of the ceiling, and you can see the chandelier, which... Um, we have a couple leads on where that chandelier might be, but uh, we're tracking them down. So that that so if you have that chandelier, <laughs> give it back. Yeah, it, it's my current project. <laughs> the chandelier, That's the photos. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about why oh. why you're working on that house. Why this is a, a thing. so it's it's a nonprofit Joplin Historical Neighborhoods, and uh, the mission is education, and the idea is. Basically, the mission is education, but the idea is through these buildings you can see how people lived, see how things have changed, and uh, hopefully draw connections between where we live, how we, and how we live, and 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 this idea of architecture improving quality of life, which is something that is sometimes lost these days. Yeah. Cool. Fascinating. Well, I'm I'm looking. I mean, I drive I drive by there intentionally now and then yeah. just to get a look at the progress because uh, yeah. I'll give you the tour. Come by. Yeah. Anybody wants oh, a tour? Awesome. Yeah, if yeah. you give us photos, we'll give you the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I probably can't say that. <laughs> I'll give you the tour regardless, but it'd be better if we had the photos. <laughs> Or plans, whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here tonight, and um, Christian, thank you for being here as well. Yeah. Um, as I understand, Rich, you've got some some questions queued up for our guest. Yeah, always. Take it away. Okay, we'll start with your social security number, your uh, mother's maiden name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Date of birth, including the year. <laughs> So thank you for coming on um, again, and yeah, you um you seem quite quite busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot lot to, to cover. Um, let's start with uh, some of your your books in print, though. Um, you actually just recently brought out uh, When Embers End, which is mm -hmm. a follow up to um, The Rose Weapon, uh, one of your young adult sort of serial novels at this point yeah. which one is about novel length um so in uh your your other novel or novella is also sort of young adult uh what kind of drew you into to wanting to write young adult literature yeah i kind of i love ray bradbury he's one of my favorites mm -hmm. and his whole thing is write what you like to write he's he talks about don't keep one eye on the market or your writing is going to be terrible if you're just trying to sell it um and so i try to really focus on that and i just wrote the stories that i like to write and then by the end of them i looked at look back and oh this is a middle grade book <laughs> just to figure out how where does this go okay we've got about a 15 or 16 year old protagonist they're going on a little journey they're changing at the end okay yeah this is a middle grade book yeah yeah um, so i try to go with my books kind of go that route, writing mm -hmm. it and then using that classification afterwards after it, just to yeah. help people. Sort of seeing where it fits and then put it there. Yeah, because yeah. there are definitely ideas 
Um, so those three would be middle grade, but the one that I'm working on right now that was part of my NaNoWriMo book last year is a little more intense, so it would probably bump up actually to the young adult category. Okay. There's a little yeah. bit more violence. Like more of an emphasis on adult. Yeah, someone dies, which that <laughs> brings it to the, like, like, gets killed, not just dies, but like murdered. And so that like moves it to the next so, I'm fairly certain somebody dies in the rose Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, more or less. But yeah. uh, so, NaNoWriMo mm-hmm. is novel and... Tell, say, say what it is. Yeah. I know what it is, but say, say what it is. National Novel Writing Month. Okay. Yep. So, authors all over the country and the, the world now that kind of expanded it try to write a 50,000 word length novel in November in one month, which is about 1,650 words a day or so. That's a lot. It's intense. <clears throat> That's yeah. yeah. Intense. There's somebody who like writes primarily epigrams. Like, <laughs> just puts the fear of God into me. Sixty <laughs> words. It's pretty intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yowzus. <laughs> but you, you actually finished it. You did the. Yeah. So actually, I I started writing and reading kind of late in life. I didn't read a lot growing up or write at all. Um, and kind of in college I kind of started, took some creative writing classes and wrote the first chapter of The Rose Weapon in there, although it was much different and started with a dream, which I figured out later you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, change that. I don't remember Bradbury. Yeah, right. Um, and so, I was writing some short stories and stuff and then I would tell people that I'm a writer, I'm an author, and they'd say, oh, can I read one of your books? And then I'd say, I don't have one. (laughs) So I kind of got tired of saying that, you know, and not having anything to really show for it as much. And so in 2016, November, that's when I wrote The Rose Weapon um, for NaNoWriMo. That was the first one, first book. And I actually, it's only 30,000 words. And so I wrote it in 21 days, and then I just ran out of story and I was like great I'm done I guess I don't know how to write a book and so this is it so well that's probably better than stretching it just yes. for yeah. the sake of it yeah 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 I don't want filler yeah, yeah. nope no one likes filler mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nope so yeah so then that was the first one that I didn't do it last year I was working on some other things and that or two years ago and then last year I wrote the first half um of a book, which was the podcast that we released over the summer in 10 parts. Yeah. And I'm working on part two right now, and then I'll bring it together as one book and release that all together. So, so was the plan all along, and that's a Sparrow in the Stream. Sparrow in the Stream. Was yeah. the plan all along to have it sort of released serially via podcast, or? I had been think I really liked that format, the serial release and kind of that anticipation yeah. and the. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Not enough people do that yeah. anymore. Um, I, I know, at least in print, the last thing I can really think about was maybe like Stephen King's *The Green Mile*, which was yeah, which I fantastic. Have like I, I'm, I'm not even a huge Stephen King fan, but *The Green Mile* was really great. I found those at our Books a Million, all six of them bound together and used, and nice. I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" <laughs> and I, I, the story behind it apparently is his aunt or his mom or somebody would always when he would come out the book, go and read the end of it, the last chapter first. And he's like, I'm going to write it serially, so you can't do that. I don't even know the ending. So That's funny. Yeah, so it was kind of... Uh, well, so I didn't realize you had done that, that podcast. Did you just read it? Uh, my wife read it, actually, yeah. I'm so going to have cool. to go find that. They're about... 15, 20 minute episodes. Somebody hasn't been to the website. <laughs> I went there. MC I Schultz. Just, I didn't click on everything. I had a couple of minutes and it's like today. I'm like, I gotta look at this before. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And I, I think I'm gonna actually take the podcast down once I finish the, set, the first draft of part two just to put a little bit of space between them because part one will probably change a little bit just to make it fit with part two a little bit more. So, I guess that is a danger with doing something serially and going ahead and releasing yeah. it before it's done. Um, Tell us what the where we where you can find the podcast. Yeah, the podcast called. is anywhere Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. It's, What's it's, it called? It's Sparrow in the Stream. Sparrow in the Stream. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, there was. I some of my friends. I got a little bit of guidance. I'll say, 
hey, you might be releasing things too fast because <laughs> When Embers In had just come out in April or May, you know, and then yeah. I really wanted to do a summer release. It worked, the 10 episodes, it worked like the first week in June, the first Saturday in June until like the second week in August. It was like perfect. I really wanted to be able to hit that. And I knew I was going to do part two and release it and re-edit it and do all that later. And so... Um, I really wanted to push it to do that. So it was kind of intense, and it will change, you know, once the final book comes out, which is why I'm hoping to remove it, and then people kind of forget about the details, and then I can <laughs> fill in that stuff for foreshadowing later. So Yeah. I, there's nothing be, wrong with a good retcon. There should yeah, be more fiction podcasts, I, I think. I, there's very few good ones. Sure. Recently, I've been listening to the Wolverine podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season two just okay. finished not too long ago. Recommendation. Like yeah. yellow and blue spandex? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is baller, man. It's so good. There's two seasons now. The first season, have you listened to it? I've heard of it, but is it available on like podcasts or do you have to have the subscription? No. So you could you could get it early. So this is where okay. the, the serial thing could be monetized, right? Like you, sure. could, you could pay for it to okay. get the whole thing or it uh, came out so week by can, week for free. Yeah. And there's also ads in the in the free version where I, I guess okay. the paid version doesn't have the ads. But gotcha. it's easy enough to skip through the ads. Sure. The first season was super awesome. The second season was moderately less awesome, but still really good. Sure. Um, Just yeah, like me. Definitely. I recommend, I recommend it for sure. Is it dramatized or is it, it's like yeah. voice actors? And, yes, okay. it is. Cool. It's, it's like a radio drama. Cool. I've, I've been recommending it to people nice. for, yeah, nice. ever since I started. Because like, it was such a revelation to look, well, I just saw the revelation on your beer, so that's why I wore it. But it, but it was, it was definitely that. Like Public to, House? House? Have us visit you sometime. Well, hey, I just noticed that the three of us are all drinking Missouri beers mm-hmm. right now. So, Public House in, in uh, St. James slash Rolla. Oh, okay, Rolla. Schlafly in St. <clears throat> Louis and Boulevard, Kansas City. Yeah. Where's the ginger beer from? Uh, Minnesota, I think, yeah. actually. Minnesota? <laughs> oh, that's Illinois. Illinois, there we go. Not too far away. Okay, anyway, sorry to distract there. So, I just get. I'm, Really excited about that Wolverine <laughs> podcast. I've heard. Yeah. Mom also have been uh, keeping a, a blog, uh, Rocket Weekly, which is also on fcshorts.com. Go yes. go visit. Um, writing mostly writing tips. Yeah. So I love. That's one of the things is encouraging writers to um, to write and to kind of take, especially new writers who are just starting and kind of just need that little encouragement or hey this is good keep going you know like or that permission even you know that's one of the things I see a lot is so they're waiting for that permission to write and so um, I co-lead Limner Writers Group part of the Joplin Limners um, and so we actually just met last night and so that kind of came out of that group and those questions and I just decided okay for a year every Monday I'm going to post just a short little blog post of something about writing and so there's practical things there's less practical things like this book was cool you know whatever there's all kinds of different stuff on there have fun is the one coming up actually this next monday is the last one number 52 out of 52 i was wondering about that i noticed the numbering and i was like so is he just gonna like Yep. Cut it off. That's it. Definitely. Done. Yep. <laughs> Is it kind of exhausting? <laughs> Last year. Was, yeah, it's like I try to get pretty far ahead and, you know, so I use Squarespace, <clears throat> not sponsor, even though they sponsor a lot of podcasts. We, we use Squarespace <laughs> nice. also, which yeah. it's, it's yeah. great. It's a great tool. Yeah. And so I, I'm writing those and scheduling them weeks in advance before they come out, if not months before. And so that helps me do a bunch and then put that away and I can kind of do something else and so um, it hasn't been too bad I, I try to keep them pretty short I don't know if you saw I yeah, yeah just a couple paragraphs well actually I mean in, in one of them you talk about how you do it uh, quite a few in advance and then you have the the schedule posts um, I may have even in the title like something about schedule posts yeah I think it was <clears throat> like this this post was written a month ago yeah that's the one that, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, and so that's the, I do like just encouraging writers to, there's a lot of tools out there that you can use to kind of make it easier on yourself and, you know, 
set the like I set the expectation pretty low for that blog. I was like, okay, I'm not going to spend hours and hours and hours researching it, and um, it's not that kind of blog. There's other blogs for that that are, you know, three thousand words, and you're going to devote some time into it. This was something I wanted Monday morning before you start working on your thing, whatever. Just is two minute read, just to say you got this. Keep going. Yeah, and so. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been cool. And you know, like we were talking about earlier with, you know, no one's waiting on your work. Like that... that well, that should be liberating. But it just well, time. But I think, I think yeah. it's intimidating to a lot of people because yeah. they think, because like you said, you want to encourage people to write. They don't need permission to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people feel like unless there's something to be turned in at the mm-hmm. end, I don't... What, why am I doing this? Sure. Well, I mean, there's many other reasons, obviously, yeah. for doing it. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the Limners group? Sure. About your, um, I know you guys are a writer's group, but sort of what is, what is your group? What do you guys do? Um, yeah, so we've got, so there's the main Limners group, Joplin Limners, which is photographers, visual, other visual artists, painters, everybody is in that group. Any kind of artist is, is welcome in that group. And then about a year, year and a half ago or so, they split to visual arts and writing group just to kind of, let's dive a little bit deeper yeah. here that we can't yeah. normally do it. Big sort of specialize. Yeah. And so um, we do a lot of, like, I ask the group, what's what do you want to hear about? I want this to be meaningful to you, not just me saying, you should know this, you should know this. So last night, actually, we talked about how to continue growing in your craft. We brought the books that we read, the podcasts we listen to. Uh, one guy had asked um, pros and cons of getting an MFA in creative writing um, to be an author. And so we kind of, um, no one there had an MFA. So I did some research beforehand. <laughs> yeah. It was like, here are what 27 authors are saying. And it was kind of across the board. Yeah. If they had an MFA, they were like, yeah. But they were also like, no, you don't need it. And vice versa. It was kind of all over the place. So we kind of landed on, you know, what do you want it for? Are you trying to teach or, you know. Stuff like that, though. We, it kind of gets pretty into the weeds when it comes to writing stuff. Um, and then the second half of those meetings, I, we usually try to open it up to critiques or people will submit stuff that they're working on sort beforehand. Of yeah, so I want it to be a place, you know, you can read your short story to your friend or your spouse or whoever, and they're going to probably say, that was great. But it's not helpful, really. You know? yeah. So I want that. This is a group where we can say, that was great, but this character is pretty flat. I need to get better girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pretty much what we do. We meet once a month. We haven't met. We didn't meet over the summer. Summers are pretty crazy, but yeah, we try to meet once a month, and then twice a year or so we'll do a day at the Joplin Library where we spend six or seven hours as like a working time like come here and we're just all gonna work today and set a work kind of goal of 15,000 words as a group that's what we're gonna try to get stuff like that so hmm. yeah it's fun it's a lot of words it's a lot of words that group is open to poets and songwriters and nonfiction writers too but it is primarily fiction writers and since I write primarily fiction, that's kind of the where it goes. So, what, what's your? How many people are in the group, and like, what's your demographic? Yeah, it's a lot of younger uh, people. It's a lot of people just starting off, um, okay. and so, I mean, we had the, there's a Facebook group also, which would probably be a good place to start. There's, I mean, we had like eight people last night, and there's like fifty in the Facebook group. To okay. give you, a, there's okay. a lot of people yeah. who just yeah. are lurking sure. and. And we try to make the Facebook group a place where we're posting all of the resources that we talked about last night in the group. We're, t- we're sharing our stories in the group, too. And so um, if you searched Limner Writers, it would probably come up and then, yeah, get added to that. And so, and you could just hang out there and kind of see what's going on. And yeah. So what are, do you recommend joining groups, even if it wasn't the Limners? And what are some benefits sure. that come from being a part of? sort of a, a collection of, of other writers. Yeah. I think that's something we haven't really talked about. No, we really much. we really haven't talked about that much. Cool. Yeah, I, I think you, if you're going to join a group, kind of 
before going, thinking about why, what do you want from this group? Um, I went to another group in town for a little bit and I was like, not impressed really. And I, it, it, <laughs> so I, not to name any names. I'm not that, that, that group shall not be named. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is fine, but it's not, it wasn't what I was looking for basically. Yeah. And so, but for the people that were there seemed to be enjoying it fine. Uh, I mean, they had more people there than we had last night, <laughs> and so, uh, but it wasn't what I was looking for necessarily. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'll just use the main Joplin Limners group and just kind of go from there. And then, not too long after that, Mark Neinschwander, who runs that main group, asked me if I wanted to split off and do that, and I was like, yes, perfect, I'd love to do that. Nice. And so I think, yeah, figuring out what do you want from that kind of a group do you need some accountability maybe mm-hmm. there's a lot of that um where like NaNoWriMo last year we were all posting our word counts and I even said I'll give 50 bucks to anybody who can beat my monthly word count uh, and so that yeah. motivated me too because to, <laughs> you don't want to pay 50 bucks right yeah. so I was looking at them and like oh man you got like you got like 3,000 words today I gotta, did you have to pay up nope I, oh, yeah. I I had to write. I think I ended up writing like fifty four thousand words just to beat the guy who got like fifty three. So yeah, so some accountability that is good that way, and just the community knowing that there's other people who can relate to what you're what you're talking about. You've got these story ideas, but it's not translating to the page the way you want it to. And yeah. being able to talk through that is pretty specific that the common, like the person who's not in that world just wouldn't be able to talk about it as much. And so, um, yeah, I love the writing group. There is a danger that it can become a crutch a little bit. You don't, you're like, I'm good. I'm going to the writing group. But, yeah. but you're not writing. <laughs> not right actually now. doing the work. And so I, we try to end all of the meetings with, what have you been working on? What are you currently working on? Let's set a goal, help you set a goal for what's next. So, like, there's one lady who, her goal for this year was to write a 30,000 word novella, her first one. And um, she just had her third kid in June, and they moved like a week later. And so she, I was like, That's intense. Yeah, you have every reason to not do that. Like, yeah. no one's going to blame you for that. But if you wanted to, 400 words a day the rest of the year and you could do it and so there you go. she got pretty excited about that and is it and posted in the group already and said she got 420 words last night before she went to bed and so um yeah it's things like that in in a group that can really be encouraging if it's the right kind of group i guess so yeah i love it so i'm i'm i can imagine that um everybody has had that kind of experience where they just maybe want to give up on something but then they found someone else that was doing it like I'm doing the same thing and you can talk about it and like I would say probably if I didn't meet Rich when I did I'd probably not be writing poetry anymore I mean hmm. yeah I, I, I don't do a whole lot of it nowadays mm. but you know the fact that that I get to read his work and talk about it keeps it you know relevant in my life at least even when I'm not working on something so um, well I mean we mostly exist because I was close to a point not necessarily giving up on writing but certainly like submitting yeah I mean I think we've talked about on here though mm-hmm. and there was that whole night where I was going to go try to sell myself out to a friend of mine who's a sports writer and I was like I'm just gonna write columns so that I've got a job where I'm still writing and I'm just never going to submit my work again aside from, you know, making this bug. I'm glad I didn't go that route. I'm glad you talked me out of that. I, uh, I read the comments on my friend's page, and it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go into sports writing unless you have really thick skin. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that's, that could probably be said of most writers. <laughs> I would yeah. Say. yeah. Yeah. That's making me realize how cutthroat architecture really is, and maybe I need to jump ship, ship and write books about about architecture. architecture. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can go the eighteen north <laughs> route. You can, uh, I mean, he he continued designing houses, I think, throughout the rest of his life. But you know, he was the editor for an architectural magazine in which he wrote, you know, articles on about the engineering side of architecture. So you could you could be the next eighteen north.
Yeah, there could be a few. And, and you know, we know a, we know some publishers. So. Well, <laughs> a couple. <laughs> we, might, we might be able to help you out. What Christian's talking about, though, the, just the discipline and... and sure, we'll have a contract by the end of the evening. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, hold on. Like encouraging people to... to to keep going and, and, and really what you're you're encouraging is them to tell their story, which is, you know, the hopeful redeeming thing about the whole thing. And in, in architecture school it's really, you know, your design sucks, we're gonna make you cry mm-hmm. and you're gonna drop out, but you learn a discipline that you know, half the people don't ever practice architecture but they, they can they move on to something else and, and Hopefully, benefit society, but I also feel like different. I should point out none of us here have MFAs, um, uh, yeah, so yeah. we didn't go through the <laughs> academic yeah. side of it, <laughs> which I'm sure is probably considerably more yes, yeah, cutthroat. And I don't even have an shitty. English degree. So. <laughs> yeah, you have a business degree. I need to, it's gross. <laughs> I heard some advice once. Somebody had an author had asked someone for feedback on a story, and then that person had said, "Do you want?" do you need me to tell you it's great or do you need me to give you like critiques because sometimes we do need to just yeah. hear this is awesome yeah but then sometimes we need no okay I actually need yeah I need you to pat me on the back because I am yes. at the edge of that cliff yes dear yeah. God praise me <laughs> yes so in that group there is a lot of encouragement but then sometimes when they, there's a story submitted I'll say what kind of feedback yeah. are you looking for here because this is one of the places where you could get that really intense feedback that might hurt your feelings a little bit, <laughs> but which you need, you need that totally, oh, absolutely, um, totally. Yeah, I mean, I so I don't have an English degree, but I had an excellent writing instructor at Missouri Southern, Mike Rogers. Yeah, I mean, if Mike, if you ever listen to this, you're <laughs> the tops. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his his feedback was just so good and so helpful. And that, that was really the only writing course that I ever took. Um, you know, I took lots of English courses, lots of literature mm-hmm. courses, but I mean, just a little bit of help and a few bits of key wisdom in important spots can go a long way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot of critical uh, feedback to, to really help you step up your game. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have Mike Rogers? I did not. Though um, now that we're talking about Mike, uh, Cody actually credits him oh, yeah. as a professor who yes. taught him how to write. Cody, a uh, friend of the show, Cody White, one of our poets, Cody White. Yeah. Uh, go to puckonpress.com and order his book. You true, maybe baby. You true, maybe baby. Please. Um, <laughs> uh, he credits Mike as you know being sort of the person who really even sort of pushed him along. Uh, to want to write more, yeah. Um, and mostly, a lot of it came down to the criticism he received from from Mike. He just loved giving me shit for being an accountant, which was <laughs> was also its own kind of reward. Like, yeah, I'm here. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sidetracked again. Also, I keep thinking about now. Now, Drew is so excited about the Wolverine podcast. I keep thinking about him, like. Being Wolverine, <laughs> you're just claws. And the, <laughs> just imagine the funny Wolverine. hat, <laughs> the cowl with the ears. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm I'm a bit distracted. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it takes. So. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, you were just you were really excited about that. <laughs> Understandably, yeah. Um, Are we still recording? Yes. <laughs> this probably won't be edited out. <laughs> it may or may not. Let's see. So let's talk about where people can get your books too. Um, I know you have them on Amazon. I'm assuming people can get them through your website as well. Um, I pretty much funnel everything through Through Amazon. Amazon. Um, They are available at Vintage Stock if you're in the Joplin area though. Um, They are over there. Um, I actually need to bring some more over there. But yes, they they are available there and then on Amazon. Um, I've recently kind of, I self-published through Amazon and Mm -hmm. so I've kind of restructured all of the pricing and everything and so the you'll see some funny prices on there like 
six dollars and sixty three cents or five ninety two or something like that and I've, I've done that so that i make exactly one dollar from every paperback book you hear that kind of cliche at the end of the day authors will make one dollar per book once everybody else is paid um traditionally published authors and so i went that same route and just priced them all so one so they would be accessible i wanted them um I'm not trying to get rich from these books, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I that's love. not much different than us. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's I went that route, and then I made all the Kindle versions are um, free after, if you buy the the paperback. So yeah, just uh, accessibility and, and put them out there. So yeah, very cool. They're also. So, so, oh, I'm I'm sorry. No, go. Ahead. I'm just gonna say they're available at libraries too. Yeah. Um, yeah, you um you actually donate any library that wants one of your books, you are happy to donate a book to them. Yeah, I just last week I ran to um, South East um, North Middle Schools and dropped off some books there, oh, and so very it was good. pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I've done a couple of readings at Carl Junction um, School over the summers, so yeah, it's been fun. That kind of helps stamping it as middle grade. To just yeah. kind of, this is a middle grade book. Okay, you are a middle school teacher. <laughs> yeah. Recommend yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. So, uh, what sort of made you want to do go the self publishing route? Yeah, it's um, a good question. I did a lot of research, kind of both both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was starting out. Uh, Ray Bradbury suggests writing a short story a week for a year when you're first starting and maybe you'll have one or two good stories is what he says and so I tried that I don't think I got one every week for a year but that's pretty intense yes very intense I mean that's like is he, does he mean just writing a first draft or is he mean like writing it and editing and like having a story ready I don't know <laughs> but so there's a backlog of stories that will stay there <laughs> and uh, but after that it was kind of just about wanting to control a lot of the process and keep the rights to everything and doing it quickly mm-hmm. um without sacrificing the quality so I wanted to be able to do it fast but then also you know when you self-publish you're doing everything cover yeah. design you're editing everything you're formatting the interiors you know all of that kind of stuff and so I wanted to um, be able to do it fast and kind of be able to control all of that kind of stuff too so um, and there are tons of stories there are tons of self-published authors out there who are making a decent living with their with their books yeah. writing a ton and that gap is kind of closing now with you know if you get traditionally published you still need to you still have to market it yourself yeah um they have cody are you listening (laughs) (laughs) we might edit that out (laughs) (laughs) and so that it's kind of like i'm just gonna go in and and do this now i'm there are stories someday that you know i might try to traditionally publish this and uh like there's a series that i'm working on right now that would fit better in a commercial market and it's not it's hard to get just one book published this would be a young adult middle grade series there's a couple books in there i could show them a whole outline and say we've got three books here let's are you interested in that and i've got this experience already now from self-publishing and so yeah so do you have some advice to give to people who are, are self-publishing? Mm. Like, for instance, I know, like, your books are quite gorgeous. Thank you. Um, so, like, do you have some advice you'd like to give in terms of uh, things people who are looking into self-publishing would want to look out for? Um, also, like, maybe some tips on... Um, I mean, honestly, your books look better than some things I've, I've seen that have been published <laughs> by actual presses. Yeah. Um, so maybe some graphic design tips or just sure. any tips you'd like to give out for somebody who's um, thinking about going this route themselves. Yeah. Well, before I forget, I got to credit my graphic, my cover artist, Logan Greer. Um, he, we worked pretty close. He's one of my best friends. We worked pretty close together. He's an amazing um, graphic designer. And so 
Um, I'll give them a concept, and I I like graphic design. I can do I could probably get it to like a C plus, but then he comes in and makes it like A plus plus plus, like makes it <laughs> awesome. And so yeah, he's done all of my covers. Um, he's amazing. Um, so that is one of the biggest tips. If you're thinking about self-publishing, your cover has to be able to stand up with traditionally published because then people aren't even going to give it a chance. They're not even going to pick it up off a shelf or click on it on Amazon or anything like that. If it looks like it was homemade, you've already lost. Yeah. Um, and so if that if you don't know anyone who does graphic design, if you have a small budget for your book, use it on, on that. Um, find somebody who can make a good cover for you. And there's a lot of great resources out there, like um, for the Rose Weapon and When Embers End, both of these, both of the images are from Unsplash, which is a free website where you can get high quality images to use, and then you just, you just credit them, but you can use it for free. There's, there's lots of sites like that. Yeah, there's tons of them. And so we grabbed this this little dragon off of like Shutterstock or something for 20 bucks and then put it in there and now we've got a discover. And so yeah. and then this um, was actually a postcard for Mystery of Pancake Shores um, was a postcard that was in the public domain. And so we were able to use it. Nice bring the contrast up a little bit, make it look a little bit better, and kind of design it from there. So there's a ton of resources like that where you can get the elements that you need um, to do that. And then the other thing, which is actually more important, but you just have to have a good story. It has to be written well. There's yeah. no shortcuts there. It, you have to, it has to be tight, has to be edited well, no typos, formatted well. It just, people shouldn't be able to tell that you self-published it basically. Um, all of those warning signs that you would hear about from self-publishing, you just have to make it look like it could be picked up on a shelf in any bookstore. And so, yeah, those are the story. If you don't have a good story, it doesn't matter how good your cover is going to be either. So yeah. those, those work very closely together, but yeah. And then, I mean, learning the, the back end of Amazon and KDP, it's not too bad. Um, there's tons of YouTube videos and helpful videos out there to, to figure that out, how to upload your manuscript and do all that. And you order tons of proofs before you ever put it live. And so right. for the first one, I ordered proof and uh, I missed, this margin's off. Okay, do it again. Okay, now this margin's off. So there's just tons of those. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Cool. Yeah. Things still slip through the cracks, though. Oh, they totally. do. No matter how much. Uh, totally. I think my favorite example of that with us was us finding a typo in the middle of reading Muddled <laughs> at <laughs> our release party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember which of us found it, but they just leaned over to the other person and they were like, <laughs> yeah. in front of like this packed bar <laughs> I think there was a spot like the second not the main character but his friend was spelled his name was spelled differently like yeah. a couple of chapters in it was like, it's like the Z in your name I bought Amazon though I could go in and take the, the word document the manuscript re-upload it yeah. and now the next person who orders it is going to get the new version yeah. and that's what's great about Amazon too and self-publishing I don't have to hold any stock and I don't have to manage any shipments which is why I don't sell any on my website um, because Amazon takes their cut from it and I'm fine with that they're going to ship it they're going to print it and all that so if somebody buys it they print it and ship it right to them. They're not holding stock either, so mm -hmm. inventory, I guess. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the same story we have, except that we, we do, do keep a small we do stock, keep yeah. some and sell them on our website. Just all readings. So if you order sure. from us, we'll make a little more money than we do on sure. Amazon. The ones Speaking that stock make more money. It's it's time for the the typical like once a podcast. Uphelmpress.com. Press. <laughs> also, uh, always order directly from independent publishers mm. because they get more money that way and they're hurting. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if you live in Joplin and you want to buy one of Christian's books, you can go to Vintage Stock. Go to Vintage Stock. Yeah. yeah. Should probably bring some more over there before <laughs> do the check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to, you got to. Two weeks probably before we put okay, this out. Cool. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, let's take a take a pause here, and then we'll come back in just a minute.
Oh god, I gotta think about the last one. Welcome back to the Pub Hound Podcast. Drew here, Rich. Hey. Hey. Still here. Mostly. <laughs> Michael. Present. Present. Still here. <laughs> still here. Christian. Yep, still here. Okay. Uh, we didn't lose anybody this time. That's nice. That's good. Have we ever lost anybody? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. There was that one time I thought I was going to get lost up here, but I don't think we were actually... No, I was alone that night, so never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> That's a different story. I remember that story now. I think I, I talked about that on yeah. the podcast once, yeah. Uh, Christian, I got a couple questions for you. Okay. Um... Pop quiz. Would you rather mow the yard or do math homework? Uh, I hate mowing. Our neighbor's dad actually mows our yard. Nice. <laughs> so <laughs> math homework, for sure. Okay. Yep. Do you actually like math? Uh, it's okay. I had a pretty good math teacher okay. in high school. Okay. It depends okay. on how in, how advanced it gets, but yeah. All right. I can do some basic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you rather participate in an eating competition or run a marathon? Hmm. Probably run a marathon. All right. Well, the starting line is downstairs. Neither of those sound good to me. Yeah. No, I think I'd want to die regardless. <laughs> yeah. 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 You get to pick the food. Um, so... We've talked a lot about your books, which happen to have, you know, some pretty supernatural elements in them. Mm. Is there is there a, a fantasy world in literature that just really, like, you can imagine yourself in, like, that's the world that you should have been born into? Like, hmm. you know, the wizarding world, or Middle Earth, or... Uh, John Steinbeck's version of Slimes Valley... No, I never thought about that before. I mean, I think it would be pretty awesome to travel around with the that group of dudes at the end of Fahrenheit four fifty one, where they're all run, they're just traveling around after the world is exploding, and they're <laughs> just they memorized entire like books. Yeah, and so that would be pretty awesome just to be travel around with them. I mean. Not the context where everything no, is kind of a crummy <laughs> world. Just that part, yes. yes. I'd rather do math homework. <laughs> yes. I'd rather do an eating contest while I'm there. Oh, wow. Now there's a day. Now we're in Okay. So, uh, now, now we're going to do the last call. So, um, did, would anyone like to volunteer to be first for the last... First for the last call. Why are you looking at me? I never have anything prepared. <laughs> you also never go first. Do you want to go first? You guys yeah, all right. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first this go time. Uh, I've been thinking about how we need a new segment. Um, <laughs> excuse my language. Yeah. Um, no, no, I like last call. We'll, we'll keep last call. I just need to do better. But I feel like somewhere we need to have a segment called, and excuse my language, uh, we should have a, a segment called Rich Fucked Up. <laughs> in which we already have that. It's called the Pub Hound Podcast. Yeah. That's well, I mean, in which, in which I point out the things I screwed up, like in the previous episode. Oh, um, you mean like a corrections and reduction? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, because it's us, we'll call it Rich Fucked Up. Um, and because why not be redundant? <laughs> um, like, like last week, or not last week, last time we recorded, I referred to orchids as being parasites. And that is not true. That's a myth. And I knew that even like, I, I guess I had drank enough that I had forgotten, but I woke up the next morning <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's a myth. Orchids, Orchids. aren't parasites. Yeah. Cause they grow on trees and oh. there's a myth that they actually live off of the tree, but that's not true. It's not even technically, I don't think it's even a symbiotic relationship because neither gains very much from one another. Like the orchid doesn't take anything. All it gains is something to grow on. And yeah, so like technically it's not a symbiotic relationship, but it's it's definitely not parasitic. Uh, they do not take any nutrients from the tree or harm the tree in any way. So orchids, it's been weighing on you now. For... It did. I felt really bad. <laughs> but you know, every episode there's stuff like that. Like I couldn't remember that the Poets Prize uh, 
is from the Hudson Review, like in our very first episode. So every every episode, I fuck something up bad, so and I feel like we need a new segment <laughs> called "Rich Fucked Up." <laughs> so this is me publicly lobbying for some <laughs> self humiliation. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that was it. Okay, who wants to go next? I got one. All right, Christian. Uh, me and my wife just started rewatching Fear Factor. It's on, oh, it's man. On, why? Y'all <laughs> fuck because up. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> not seriously. We're not like, oh, you know what sounds really good tele- like really good television right now? Oh. It's Fear Factor from 2001. Of all the shows. <laughs> There's man. so many good shows. Yes. <laughs> I mean, aside from the eating bugs, you got to oh. watch Joe Rogan. It is hilarious. I mean, it is so dated, and it is just so... The very first episode, it starts with the first stunt is you have to hold onto a rope that's tied to two horses as they sprint past about 100 yards, and you're just getting drugged through the mud. And so they're just doing that and like getting blood everywhere. And then the next one is they got to go in a pit and get 400 rats just dumped on them. And they're freaking out and screaming. So it's hilarious. It's on Hulu. So you're it's, saying it doesn't hold up? It does not hold up. <laughs> Just watch it as a comedy and it will be hilarious. It's well worth it. So um, yeah, it's it's funny. I'm going to try to forget that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm a little annoyed that you brought it up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Fear Factor on Hulu. Oh, it's funny. Watch it now. It's hilarious. I'm going to go home and cancel my Hulu. <laughs> the, the most annoying thing about it is having to watch ads. Like, I'm watching ads for this right now while we're watching Fear Factor. What am I doing? <laughs> yep. Joe Rogan, too. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first thing that he was on, right, was News Radio. Show, yeah. Which yeah. was a great Which show. Which is great. That's a great show. Yeah. But... Since then, he's just kind of gotten more and more bro. Yeah. It seems like to me. Michael, you want to go next? Uh, sure. <clears throat> I, I thought of something pertaining to literature. Indigawa Rampo, the Japanese author who, during the Meiji period where Japan was opening up and he was into Western mystery, but it had this very Japanese twist, bent, twisted bent to it. (laughs) (laughs) To the point where he was actually imprisoned, I think, and and forbidden to write for a while, but um, instead of talking about that, I was going to talk about Rich fucking up. (laughs) That's that's really why I'm here, because... uh, He's the spitting image of a, a dear friend, one of my oh. best friends who died yeah. this within the last year. And uh, <laughs> another one of my best friends, Anna Marie. Hi, Anna. I'm going to make her listen to this. <laughs> but she's not Anna. talking to me right now because she's mad at me or I don't know what's going on. But we were trying to get him to go with us. I was going to go. <laughs> The night we met Rich, we had tried to convince him to go to Maine with us mm. to, to visit Morgan's parents oh, as that... Morgan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone listening, that they, I don't know, they may not get it, but uh, I'm seeing beyond that now and that Rich is my friend and he's not Morgan, and I accept that. <laughs> I totally was going to go. <laughs> uh, well, Maine is beautiful. You wanted to drive. We already had our plane tickets. We couldn't drive. Mm. How are you guys going to get me on the plane? <laughs> Suitcase, which that's Indigawa Rampo. That he's got a, a story where he hides in this chair. The, the protagonist hides in a chair in this fancy western hotel and people sit on him and it's just from his perspective it's bizarre what <laughs> but okay. Indigawa Rampo is Edgar Allan Poe it's the oh. he couldn't use his real name because they were watching him and he was he was in, jailed for what what he was writing 
in Japan because it was too Western. Wow, that's weird. Mm. Well, two two little uh, delightful <laughs> morsels there. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I guess that leaves me. Um, so I want to use my last call to shout out my good friend and a, a really impressive musician um, whom I saw a couple weekends ago in Springfield do a show for his new album. Um, Matt Harp is his name. And he's on the, you know, the standard streaming services. As, just as Matt Hart, but MattHartMusic.com is his site, and he plays he plays guitar, and um, I think you call it finger style, where it's like the percussive, you know, finger picking, but also like tapping out the beats on the guitar, and it's uh, it's like it's as impressive to watch it happen as it is to to listen to it. Like I I, I bought. I bought a copy of the the, the actual CD uh, the night I saw him play, and the next day I was in the car with my mom and dad, and I put it on the radio for him. And uh, my dad was like, "Is he playing by himself? Are you sure there's not somebody else in this song? Is it, there's no there's nobody playing drums here?" <laughs> I was like, "No, that's just that's him. Nice. It's just, you know, he's hitting that part on the guitar and makes that other sound by hitting another part." And yeah, so it's really impressive stuff, and. Um, if you're into like uh, not non-lyrical, you know, just just music kind of music, and especially if you like guitar at all, acoustic guitar, really good stuff. Definitely recommend it and watch the videos that he has because it's impressive to watch um, as well as to listen to. So, MattHarpMusic.com, and um, that's what I got. Wolverine podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the show, guys. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Produced and edited by Pubhound Press, with music by Dan O'Connor and sounds from Creative Commons. Complete credits can be found on our website, pubhoundpress.com.